Well, good morning. morning. It's good to be back. This uh, last weekend, my family and I took uh, just a few days and went out to uh, the mighty town of Dubuque. It was a good time. We uh, we went to a hotel there and we stayed for a few days there and uh, we didn't, went skiing one day up there. Uh, there was a little slope right there called Sundown and we took the kids out for their second or third time and learned how to ski and just had a nice time getting away. You know, through the entire month of January, all we kept hearing was, is it this week? When are we leaving? When are we going on this trip? When are we going to go? We were getting away. It was my daughter's birthday on Saturday last week, and it was mine on Sunday. So we were getting away for a bit of a birthday celebration and the skiing, and they were all excited about going. Have you ever noticed how hope really gets you fired up? Have you ever noticed how when you're looking forward to something, it keeps you like right on edge? You know what I mean? You're just wanting it. That was last week for us, for our family, as we were getting ready to go. We got there, and uh, like I said, it was a birthday uh, celebration, so we had ordered a birthday present for Alyssa that was a skateboard, you know, so they're like this big. So it comes in a box that like stands from the floor to here, like this tall. I have no idea why it came in a box that big, but man, was it safe. You know what I mean? So they delivered this skateboard to us in this big box, so we said, you know, don't take it out and rewrap it. We're going to bring that thing. So we bring it into the hotel and we're setting that thing down in there. And the entire weekend, she's looking at that thing going, what did you get me for my present? You know, she's rattling it and trying to figure it out. Hope, hope for the trip, hope on the present, hope. It's something that fires us up. Question, what should we be hoping for when it comes to our spiritual walk? How should we be hoping So that we have that living right on the edge with expectancy kind of a walk. We're going to be looking today at Galatians chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. And Paul is very clearly saying, here's some things to hope for. Here's some things to engage with a hopeful heart. That's what we're going to be walking through, the verse 7 verses of Galatians 4. So turn with me there. The ushers are going to be coming forward, and they've got Bibles in their hands. So if you do not have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to get one to you. We're going to be uh, walking through this passage verse by verse. So just raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you, okay? Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. First thing we can live for, verse 1. Live the hope, chapter 1. I'm sorry, point 1, whatever it is, something 1. Live the hope. We are no longer enslaved, but free. We are no longer enslaved, but free. Let's start out here in verse 1. Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Okay, he starts out with this phrase, I mean. Basically, he's starting an explanation. Okay, he had closed out at the end of chapter three, starting in verse 29. He says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to promise. Chapter four, verse one. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. So he's connecting these two passages together with the words, I mean, hear the explanation. Let me go a little further with what I was saying about that thing called the heir of a promise. Let me explain something to you. He says, according to Roman law here, as long as he is a child, he's no different from a slave. Did he just say that children are slaves? So some parents are smiling now and they're like, I knew I had justification. Okay. 
He is saying that in some respects, a child is like a slave. But let's be careful how we explain that. All right. Let's use it properly. He's talking about the inheritance. He's talking about what they're going to collect. And let me tell you, whatever inheritance is coming to that child, it's just as if they were a slave. They don't get to embrace that inheritance right now. That's not theirs to embrace. It's like there was no inheritance in one regard because they're not able to claim it today. He's saying like a slave. That's where children stand. These young ones, not of age. He says, chapter or verse 2, Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. Under guardians and managers. In that culture, at that time, the way children were often cared for was the slaves in the house. The actual slaves in the house were the ones caring for the children. And sometimes it wasn't the slaves. Sometimes it was called the freedmen. These were people who used to be slaves, but they were released from their slavery. And they ended up saying, you know what? I just like staying here so much. I've got such a good relationship with this family. I'm just going to still hang out with you guys. Freedmen. So these slaves or these freedmen were often raising the children. They were the guardians. They were the ones watching over. It says guardians and managers. The ones caring for the day-to-days of these children. They're under that responsibility. And it says, until. That's a big word, isn't it? Until. I mean, think about what it means. We can often brush past it, but it has a finality to it. It's this way, until. In other words, at that point, it changes. At that point, it is different. It was one way, then it's a different way. The word until is that word that's separating it. He says, they were under guardianship. They were under managers until the date set by the father. So under Roman law, under the life that these people would have known, there was this concept of the dad being able to say when it was time for this child to no longer be acting as a child, but rather to be acting as one who is an heir, one who is collecting the inheritance set by the father. You can see the illustration being set up, right? Paul's getting ready to explain how God the father works in our lives. And as he works through this, he says, I want you to understand, date set by father used to be a guardian watching over. Now, Pastor Kent went through last week in chapter 3 at the end of it, what that guardian was. The guardian was the law when you talk spiritually. When God is saying, hey, you were under a guardian. He's saying, I want you to understand there was a period of time that you were sitting under the watchful care of the guardian. Chapter 3, verse 24, defines the guardian as the law. The law was delivering you up until, until, remember that separating word. And if we look in chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, it says in 24, So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came. Can you see it? He's got the two sides of the fence. And that word until is the fence. And we sit on either side of it. From a relational perspective, a Roman law perspective, it was your children not able to claim your inheritance until date set by father. Now you're an heir. 
and you can. You were under the law. The law was your guardian. You were being delivered up, understanding this shed blood concept, this this sinfulness concept, this need for God, this holiness element, until the time of Christ. And now you can be an heir to the very throne of the Almighty. You can be claiming an inheritance that is unbelievable. That's what he's setting up. You were enslaved. He says right after it, verse 3 of chapter 4. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. You were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. You know, there's a lot of debate about this little phrase. What does that mean? To be enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Probably the best way to understand it is while we were being under the guardianship of the law and being delivered up to that till that time of Christ While those who were trying to understand God Almighty were sitting there under that law Their very insides were being driven by the things of the world You know, we've looked before when we were talking in the fight right series about the lust of the eyes the lust of flesh and the pride of life Those things that drive us when we just stand by ourselves. You know what I'm saying? The things of the world that tend to direct us. Those things that look visually attractive. Those things that feel and tweak us in the right way and get us thinking the right way as far as the world would be concerned. The pride of life. Those things that puff us up, right? Those things of the world that direct us towards self, to be pretty clear. The elementary principles of the world. We were enslaved to those things. That's Paul's definition. Until. Until. That's a big word in today's message. Until. We have an almighty Savior and an almighty God. And He's providing for us freedom from slavery. He's providing for us that declaration, the date set by the Father, where we can hear the words, you are free. That's a promise. May we live that hope. May we live that joy. May we live that freedom. You know, we often hear these words, and we may even think we understand the words. We've grown up in a church. We might have heard things like, just pray this prayer after me, and then we pray a prayer and we think we've got it done what absolutely must be required to experience that freedom what must be done what must be embraced in order to simply say i am no longer a slave of those elementary principles i am a child of god almighty three things we often say this at harvest it's not easy But it's as simple as ABC. It's not easy, but it's as simple as ABC. A, accept that I'm a sinner. That's not EX, not accept. It's accept. Embrace it. Bring it to yourself. Accept that I'm a sinner. What does that mean? What does the word sinner mean? It means that in the eyes of God, we have not gone where he's wanted us to go. It means that as he's designed us with purpose and plan, we said, thanks anyway, I've got my own agenda. Sin. 
missing the mark. It's what the term means, right? We've talked about that archery term. You're aiming for the target, but you come up short. It's not that you didn't hit the bullseye. It's not that you didn't hit the outer range. You didn't hit the target at all. You came up short and hit the turf, except that that's where we are. We've missed the mark that God had intended. That's A. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Replacement payment. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again. You know, another way we'd say that is him for me. It's an easy phrase. We must embrace him for me. A and B. Accept that I'm a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for me. Now, here's the thing. We can say, hey, I've got A and B down, no problem. But James chapter 2 is pretty clear. The devils also believe and they tremble. Why? Because it's more than just recognizing some fact. It's more than admitting some truth that's out there in the world. It's about making it true for yourself. And that's what C is about. Confess Jesus Christ as Lord. A, B, C. Accept that I'm a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. It's about turning over the keys to your heart. It's about saying, Lord, I understand who you are and I'm running hard after you. Please make a difference in my life. I want to lean on you. Please use your shed blood to replace what I owe. And may I turn from the ways I'm going after. May I, the word would be repent in scripture and run hard after you. If we confess him as Lord, if we're really confessing him as Lord, we're done doing whatever it is we were doing that's an offense to God. It's time to run after him. Now, don't hear me wrong. It's not about works. What it is about is you beginning to hand the keys of your heart over to him and saying, it's time for you to take over. May I be different tomorrow than I am today because of your work in my life. Take me, break me. Lord, may you be glorified. It's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. That's what Paul's driving at here in this first few verses. May we grasp the ABCs of following him. May we grasp the chance at being an heir to the throne and that it's through his work, him for me, him as Lord in our life. You know, this last week, there was uh, an individual within this body who came to me and just said, I have no idea why I came to you. Just want to sit down. Just want to talk. Let me just start explaining to you what my life's about and what's going on. And maybe we can figure out what we're supposed to be talking about. And so he just started sharing different aspects of his life, some tough things that he had gone through, some commitments in his prior life that really I didn't understand at all. Like, let's just be honest. I mean, he was committed to um, karate at the ultimate levels. He was like a UK champion at the world level, okay? His phrase was, pain was my idol. Let that soak in for a second. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. I've never done that, okay? But that's where he was at, okay? And it really is helpful for each of us to say, what is my idol? What do I go after more than God? What do I celebrate in my life more than him? And as he began to explain his life and we talked, I just said, let's just walk through a few verses and you tell me what they say. And we just walked through the gospel message in Romans and we read each verse he read and then he told me what he thought it meant. And we got done and I said, have you responded in any way like this 
what do you think? And he said, you know, I've done parts of it. But I, I don't think I've done that whole thing. Where I actually say, i got to hand my whole life over. I, I, but parts of it I get. Like that sinner thing, I get that. And, and, and Jesus dying for me, I get that. I don't know about the rest of that though. I said, well, what if we make today the day? You put the stake in the ground today and say, here and now, I will cover it all. I am definitely going to do the whole ABCs. And I want to end up confessing you as Lord in my life. And doing whatever you want done in my life now, Lord. May you take over. What do you think of that? And he said, yeah, I think so. I don't know what it is. I can tell you this. I've been coming to this church for the last few months. And every week I walk in, I spend some time saying, I will not cry when I get there. And then he comes in and he said, I'm not kidding you, Tim. The first worship song hits and bam, I got tears in my eyes. What's going on? God at work. Leading him, guiding him, and softening him. My question to you is this. Have you let God fully work in your life? Maybe you've accepted the A, but not the B and the C. Maybe you've done the A and the B, but not the C. It's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. Accept that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And confess him as Lord of your life. You know, last week, someone accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Their name was written in the Lamb's book of life. They were adopted as a son. They have new life in him. Does that mean the world's perfect and everything's going great now? That's not the message we sell, right? What does scripture say? That we are about growing to be more like him. And each and every day, we're going to wrestle with things. But in this commitment, he's now found a savior who's at work in his life. Have you embraced that life? Is Jesus at work in your life? Are you no longer a slave, but you're free? Then it's worth celebrating with all we have. Live the hope that we are not enslaved. We have people here today, and it might be you, that you're saying, I maybe need that. I, I think I might need to go the way he went. Then come up and talk to me afterwards. Talk to Pastor Kent. Let's get this thing resolved today. It's not easy. But it's as simple as ABC. It's time to hand over your life to him. Maybe you're saying, yeah, I've done that. Are you living it? Does your life look like one who's embracing the inheritance of the Almighty? Are you living the freedom that has rocked your world? Or are you slowly going back to the old ways, the elementary principles of this world, as Paul would say? It's time for us to begin to embrace the freedom that he gives us. It's time for us to embrace the love that he lavishes upon us. It's time for us to embrace change in our lives. Amen? Amen. It's time to go after him for me. Let's live the life he's giving us. May we celebrate the life that last week Dave was looking for with all he had. And simply said, I can't believe that this is what it's about. I had no intention of coming in here for this. But this is what I get to walk out with? Wow. It's time for us to celebrate the life we have with him. Live the hope. Live the hope. We are no longer enslaved. We are free. Second point. Live the hope. We are now full-fledged sons, heirs to the throne. We are now full-fledged sons, heirs to the throne. He says in verse 4, but 
One of those connecting words where you know it's the opposites now, right? Here comes the opposite. So we were just enslaved, but, verse 4, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. When the fullness of time had come. In other words, when God sovereignly decided this is the moment. When God said, you know, all those things we've been planning and preparing from time past, right now is the time. Right here, right now. The fullness of time had come. God sovereignly deciding, this is the moment. But more than that, three things it might mean. Spiritually ready. You know, at that point in time, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, according to the Hebrew, was all recorded and declared as canon. They had a scripture to live by. The law was captured in it. The prophets were captured in it. The the general writings were captured in it. They had messages from God Almighty. The Old Testament, as we know it now, was fully recorded by that point in time. More than that, the Jews were following this law. They had a temple and they were living out that Jewish law. They were sacrificing. They were bringing before him worship. There was a moment where God was being honored. There was a spiritual readiness as the Old Testament was being lived out at many levels. But more than spiritual readiness, we also have political readiness. The Pax Romana, for those who like history, the Pax Romana. This was a moment in time where the Romans had roads interconnecting all over the place, peace declared everywhere. It was on them. They said, you are safe under our watch. Let me tell you, you cause problems under our watch, you will reap it. We declare this place safe, Roman territory. And it interconnected all over the place. This Pax Romana, this declaration of Roman rule, provided a great interconnectedness politically. So there's spiritual readiness, there's political readiness, there was also also cultural readiness. As all these roads interconnected, you began to get this great intertwining. You know, there was a sharing of the language. Koinonia Greek became extremely common throughout all the area. There was this ability to communicate, even though there were huge differences, because the cultures were beginning to bend towards each other a little bit. God chose a moment in time where there was political readiness, there was cultural readiness, there was spiritual readiness. The fullness of time had come. The sovereign God was declaring, this is the moment. This is it. Can you imagine? The angels didn't quite understand it all, but can you imagine the hope in the midst of it? I mean, we talk every year at Christmas time about this Luke chapter 2 message and the angels declaring, why do you think they were so pumped up? It was like that vacation they were looking forward to. It was this big thing coming. And they're saying, I'm telling you, this is it. He's here. The fullness of time had come. That's a big phrase. It says, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ. These are some key phrases now. Born of a woman, fully man. Jesus Christ, fully man. Flesh, just like you and me, he's got that, that fleshhood, that manhood. Born of a woman, born under the law. Yes, at the time that he was born, the law was the guardian, so he is under the law. So, here's the thing God has a choice to do. He can go, hey, this law thing, that ain't working out. Like, it's not changing a soul. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw the law out. Forget it. We're going to start this new thing. We're going to call it grace. Okay. Some people really teach that. Be very careful. That is not what's going on. What's happening is the law (coughs) was the guardian delivering up Jesus Christ and you and me. Jesus fulfilled the law. Matthew chapter five. And what does that mean? It means he lived out every essence of the law in perfection. And the law was then fulfilled in mankind through Jesus Christ. How do we come to a relationship with God? Same thing that you and I have today. Faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. The law delivers us up merely showing us the need and showing us some sort of a shadow of the things to come. Hebrews 10.1 talks about the shed blood of Jesus Christ reflected in the shed blood of the lambs. The guardian had delivered the people up at the time of Christ. And now we have a moment where you and I can come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Through faith in Him, the law being fulfilled in Him, and it's done as guardian. It is now purely about you and me and our relationship with Him, faith in Him. He says, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Bought by a price, his shed blood. Bought by a price, his shed blood. May we recognize that Jesus Christ paid a price for you and me. An unbelievable price of love and sacrifice. Bought by a price, those who are under the law. Why? So that, purpose clause, so that we might receive adoption as sons. He was simply saying this. It's time for them to be brought into the fold of this family. It's time for those who have faith in me to experience in me a family like they've never experienced. We have a chance through our faith in him to be adopted as sons and daughters, to be called a prince or a princess, to be an heir to the throne of the almighty who speaks And the universe comes into existence and all that he owns and all that he has is available for you and for me as an inheritance. This isn't about how much we get to own. This is about how unbelievable he is in lavishing upon us. And as he lavishes upon us, may we simply throw it back at his feet and say, you are amazing. May we glorify you. It's all about bringing glory to God. And let me tell you something. His plan is so amazing that in the midst of him being glorified, he wants us to actually receive good. We get to actually celebrate the greatness of our God. But his glory needs to be our focus. To him be the glory. To you be the honor. May we focus upon you. And in the midst of this awesome opportunity to be adopted as sons and daughters, we can celebrate him as our daddy. He says here, Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son, the spirit of Jesus Christ, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, it means daddy. It's only used twice in reference to God. Daddy is what it means. He's saying, I want you to understand this. It isn't just about the judicial. It isn't just about some general spiritual. It is about the relational. You get to lean on him and say, Daddy. You get to sit in the lap of the Almighty and say, Daddy, Father. Now that's an inheritance. Amen? Amen. 
May we embrace the relationship that we can have with our God each and every day. May we lean upon him each and every moment, being able to say, Daddy, what do you have for today? What is it you want done today, Daddy? How can you be honored and glorified and where do you want me to go with you, Daddy? May I recognize my adoption as his child. May I celebrate my life with him and may I see my inheritance in him, Daddy. My daddy, sacrificing for me. Verse 7, he summarizes, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. May we celebrate the transition that's gone on. We were at one time a child, a slave to these elemental things of this world. But through Jesus Christ, we are transformed. We get to be called a son, a daughter, his child, life in him, daddy, holding on tight, sitting in his lap, sharing whatever it is you're going through, whatever hurts, whatever fears, whatever moment by moments, he is right there with you, daddy. And may we recognize that that goes on for all eternity, a true inheritance with him. You know, what do we inherit? I just thought I'd write down four things here. Scripturally, when we see the word heir, what do we find? Four things. He calls us heirs of faith or heirs of the promise. That comes from Hebrews 1, 14 and Hebrews 6, 17. Heirs of the faith, heirs of promise. That's an awesome thing to inherit. Hebrews 1, 14 and 6, 17. He also calls us heirs of life and heirs of righteousness. We end up being able to inherit righteousness in our life. Are you hearing that? It's not go work for it. It's inherit it. Him providing righteousness for you. His power at work in your life. Him clothing you with Christ's righteousness. Inherit righteousness. 1 Peter 3, 7 and Hebrews eleven seven. 7. We get to inherit righteousness. So inheriting faith and promise, inheriting life and righteousness, inheriting future and eternal life. Titus 3, 7. We have an inheritance of eternal life with him. Always and forever with him. And then lastly, inheriting a home. John 14, 5. He's going to be, pre- be preparing a place for you and for me that's going to last for all eternity. Inheriting home and righteousness, and life, and faith, promise. May we embrace what we're inheriting. May we celebrate what he's all about. May we lift him up in our lives and simply say, you're amazing. You know, there were two men that were uh, living in Budapest. True story. They were living in a cave. They were in squalor. They were cold. It was wet. It was dank. They basically were selling scraps of metal and candy to try to survive. These two brothers didn't have the best of lives. One day, a man came into the cave dressed in a suit and asked their names. And they told him, and he said, I finally found you. They said, what are you talking about? And he said, your grandmother became a billionaire. This is a true story. $6.6 billion she was worth. They were living in a cave in squalor. And he said, just so you know, it was all left to you. $6.6 billion. And they're living in a cave. 
question. Are you living the inheritance that is yours? Are you living the life that God has for you? Or are you living in squalor? May we celebrate the righteousness and the hope and the peace and the life. May we celebrate what he's doing for us each and every day. May we live the inheritance that he has for us. Live the hope. His inheritance for you. It's not just about later on. It's not just about heaven. What an awesome inheritance. But it's about here and now today. Being able to call him daddy and go through life with him. And experience change as he empowers through you. Not you muscling it, but him empowering through you. Are you ready to experience being a true heir? Are you ready to live being a true heir? An adopted child of the Almighty. All too often we just live in the elemental things of this world. We need to start living the inheritance he has for us. Just look up the the word air this week. H-E-I-R, not A-I-R. H-E-I-R. Look it up and look at what he's got for you. And don't make this a big me world. Say, you are unbelievable. I just want to throw it all back on you, God. May you be glorified. Daddy, may you be glorified. You know, I'm going to ask those who are going to help us do communion to come up now. And while you are, I'm just going to explain a couple things here. We wanted to take this morning to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. We wanted to take a moment to say, wow, you are awesome, God. So as this cup and this bread is passed, do me a favor. If this doesn't even make sense to you, if, if you don't understand who Jesus Christ is and you haven't put your faith in him, go ahead and just pass it by. That's fine. And just take this moment to simply say, Lord... I need to be figuring out who you are. Where am I at with you? What can I do? If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then I'm going to ask you to do two things. First, go ahead and take the bread and the cup as they're being passed. But do this for me. We're going to take a few moments to just reflect, to confess, to just clear the air between you and him. Simply say, Lord, I need to clear what I've done before you. Please forgive me. There's some things you may know that you haven't been asking for forgiveness for. Take some time to do that. And then I'm going to help close that piece out. And then we're going to take another moment to say, wow, may I celebrate the hope that you've provided in me. May I simply be amazed with your provision on the cross and with life in you. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Let's make sure that we don't make communion just about A, except that I'm a sinner. Let's make sure that it's also about belief and confession and celebration that we have a God who loves us, a Lord who sacrificed for us, and life in him and an inheritance. Amen? We have an inheritance. Let's celebrate that as well, okay?